0: What's going on, people? All right. This is part two of my interview with actor Scott Swartz. The conversation was going so well and he was being so open and honest about everything, and I just really wanted to take advantage of that and pick his brain a little more. This is part two of three of the interview I did with actor Scott Swartz on this edition of the Q01 podcast. Enjoy. All right, so a few years back, uh, you did The Comeback Kids, which was a show about the resurgence of child actors. Um, I, I, I saw the pilot for that, and it was pretty funny. I think my favorite character, I don't remember her name, was the stalker. Um, was it Deborah? I think she was a stalker. Oh,
1: uh, you And talking uh, about the quarantine, bu- the
0: quarantine bunch. And, uh, well, I, she was in The Comeback Kids, too, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, Melissa. And uh, Melissa Disney.
0: Okay. Melissa Disney. Okay,
1: okay. She's, she's wonderful. And Her husband is the guy that directed both the shows.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, and I came across the Quarantine Bunch just recently um, on YouTube, and it was pretty funny. And I saw her on there. She reprised her role, so I thought that was hilarious. And it was a pretty funny show. Uh, it was like, uh, I, I don't know. It was almost like a modern-day Brady Bunch, I guess, the way it was set up. Maybe that's why it has the name that it does. You know you're you're playing yourself on, in there, and everyone's have their one-liners and things of that nature. So, what other projects are you working on now, um, and what are your plans for the future? And and feel free to tell us about the quarantine Bunch as well.
1: Well, yeah, the quarantine brunch is right now. It's on on YouTube. I think episode three goes off on Wednesday, um,
0: at PM okay.
1: Eastern Standard Time, twelve twelve Pacific. Um, uh, Dean who's uh, Tori Spelling's cousin. He He's the Irish guy, and he is just a riot. He just cracked me up. I love that <laughs> character. Um, you know, but everybody's really good. Jeremy Miller and, and Danny Faro and uh, Keith Coogan, Melissa, you know, Judy Norton. We, we all had a fun, fun time because, of course, we're quarantined. You kind of stay home, and so this, this thing kind of right. came up. I finished, I finished the film uh, just after the new year. Um, uh, Christmas wrestling miracle. Uh, that's going to be com- that'll that'll come out sometime this year, I'm sure, on DVD or whatever. Uh, you know, future okay. projects you don't know. Today, today it's nothing, and tomorrow somebody calls you up and say, "Come and do this." You know, I got the, I, I have a book that hopefully will be out in September. Uh, you know, with with this whole thing, it's kind of you know, it wasn't really pushed back, but where we were in the production of was basically at the end, and then everything just kind of halted. So. Hopefully it'll still remember right, right. my book will be out. Um, you know, and from there, you just, we're just going to see what happens. You know, the, the thing that we're living through right now has kind of thrown a curveball to everybody on planet Earth. You know, it's not just this us. It's not me and it's not you. It is everybody walking the planet right now. Six, over six billion people are going, what's going to happen and when the hell are we going to get out of this nonsense? So, you know, we, we don't know. You know, I, I, I do uh, appearances at shows, like Chiller Theater in New Jersey every April and October. That had to be postponed to April. We're hoping October still goes off. Um, you know, there, there's, other you know, Steel City, um, uh, Spooky Empire in Orlando. Uh, you know, there's shows all over the place. But we don't know what's right. going to happen. You know, people have to interact with other people, and this thing is kind of putting a, a, you know, a curve into everybody's thinking and what everybody's going to do. You know, people are being devastated. They're losing their homes. They're losing their jobs. They're losing everything, businesses, you know. um, You know, I mean, I feel for everybody, you know. I I hope people can kind of just keep an attitude of this is not going to last forever. You know, hang in there. You know, hopefully you get some assistance from somewhere to help you out and keep you going and stay, you know, above and, you know, treading water, so to speak. Um, But, you know, 24-7, 365, every day, every night, somebody on this planet is trying to find what's going to help us get out of this thing. You know, yes, we're the United States, and we're supposed to be the leader in the free world and all that, but, you know, what's the This is science. This is medicine and
0: yeah. you know,
1: somebody's gonna somebody's gonna figure it out you know and a little at a time you know it, it's going to get better you know just everybody hang tight I'm doing the same thing as everybody else as are a lot of the people that I know um you know and I have friends in back in New Jersey and one of my friends lost a brother to this thing so it hasn't like it hasn't touched me mm. I no idea what I'm talking about I'm like no this is Right, a good friend I've known for decades who lost his brother to this thing. You know, Um, there've been other people I've known. Yeah, they've been sick and they probably didn't even know it. You know, and now they figured out. Yeah, I must have had it. They're okay, but uh, you know, we're we're dealing with something on a daily basis, and you just got to keep your head up. You got to stay sane. Talk to your friends. Do social media. Do a Zoom room or a chat on Skype, whatever the hell it is. Stay happy in some form or fashion. You know, but that's where I am right now. You know, I'm kind of just everybody else and hoping that we get out of this thing.
0: Hopefully and very soon. But in the meantime, they can watch the Quarantine Bunch on YouTube.
1: Absolutely. Every every Wednesday is going to be a new uh, chapter of the Quarantine Bunch, and it's fun. There's eight chapters that we did, um, you know, and, and maybe somebody will find it. And, you know, the, the, the Netflix kind of a thing or Hulu or some whatever. The other, you know, things in in uh, in internet land and all, you know, that they can, they somebody wants to pick it <laughs> up, hey, you know, okay, fine, you know, um, you know, but we're gonna, you know, you just keep plugging away, you know, that's the thing, you know.
0: Exactly. People say, oh,
1: well, you know, did you re- did you retire from acting? Were you crazy? You don't retire until you're either way too old or dead. That's it. You know, <laughs> sometimes you work a lot, sometimes you don't work at all. That's just the way that it goes. Everybody is supposed to get a certain job. Whatever that may be, you know there are there are roles I went up for that somebody else got well that was, that was supposed to be their job you know um the movie the Twilight Zone, okay, that movie, you know with the the helicopter crash, okay the day before that happened, mm-hmm. I was sitting in Joe Dante's office, the one of the directors of the film, there are four directors, you know the the four vignettes. And I'm sitting in his office. He saw me on the lot. Who are you? This is who I am. What are you doing here? Are you an actor? Come talk to me. I went and I talked to him. You're great. Uh, Where where are you staying? Universal Chardon. Okay, great. Go there. Don't leave. You're not going home. I'm calling your agent. Tomorrow morning, you're booking this movie. This is what you're going to be doing. Great. You're killed. And we get up. And, of course, you call over there. And they're like, listen, there was an accident on the set. Production's been shut down. Go home. When we start up, we'll try and we'll see if we can give you a call and we'll make it all work. Well, then, of course, it was six months later. They just wanted to get it finished, get it done. They hired another kid. He did the job. You know what that means? I was not supposed to have that job for whatever reason.
0: Right. You know,
1: am I, am I jealous of that kid? No. I'm Hey, got a movie. That's a good thing. Am I sad I didn't get it? Well, of course, otherwise I'm not human. You know, but. Yeah, I would have loved to have been in that film had the situation not happened. With the situation happening, would I still want to have be been in the film? Well, of course, wasn't meant to be. I believe in fate, destiny, everything happens for a reason. That's what I believe in. wasn't wasn't supposed to be me.
0: Well, one thing for sure we can say, that every Christmas is definitely you every single year. And mm. that's something you, I know that you are immensely proud of. Listen, I'm proud of it. I'm
1: happy for it. And, you know, people think you do a movie and you're rich and all that kind of stuff. No, I work seven days a week. I love to see a residual check in the mail. You know, it makes my day. It's like, hey, it's it's something to go in to help me pay my electric bill, my cable, whatever, you know, and I don't know. And that doesn't always cover that every month, you know. So, you know. Big money did not come in, in the 80s in movies. Television, if you were a big kid, like you mentioned Gary Coleman, he was making big money. Todd Bridges made great money. Um, Dana had made good money. Um, some of the other kids of that time on TV made money. You know, Alyssa Milano, who's the boss, she made good money. But, you know, most of your movie kids didn't make big money, you know. And Ricky Schroeder did The Champ. He didn't make big money. His big money didn't come until Silver Spoon. Right. You know? Okay. So, you know, when I say big money, I mean real money. Okay, yes, yeah, that I get paid in a stupid amount of money for what I did, let's say, on a Christmas story. I worked one day a week, six weeks. I was earning $6,500 a week. Now, wow. you look at that and you go, oh, my God, that's a lot of money, but not really. It's only six weeks' worth of work, and nobody's guaranteeing you that you're going to work for the next two years. Right. You know, so when you divide exactly. it up over the time you're not working versus the time you are working, it's minimum wage almost, you know. Um, you know, but yeah. for those things, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, not everybody was Macaulay Culkin. That's already 90. And it's, you know, the first movie, he didn't make big money at all. The second movie, he made a boatload. You know, but the first one, he didn't. That's just how that goes. You know, when you're in the, the position of being able to negotiate from strength and go, this movie was me. Now, of course, he doesn't have to do it. He right. does it, whatever. You know, my client is the star of your film. Now, how much are you going to pay him? The last one just made $300 million in 1992 or whatever it was. They're going to open up the vault. They're going to pay whatever it takes because they understand they got another $250 million that's coming in. Video back then. It's VHS. You know, and it wasn't cheap. You wanted to buy new movies back then, it's forty dollars a copy for a new movie. Yeah. And they're selling millions of copies on DHS. On you know, so things have totally changed from, from then and now. You know. But listen, there's no regret. None, I can say without even thinking about it Billy. I was extremely blessed, extremely lucky to do the things that I did. Be put in the position of working with Icon Gleason, Pryor, Donner, Ray Stark, Liza Minnelli, Robert Klein, doing commercials with Sugar Ray Leonard, did Broadway with Diane Weiss and John Glover, and and you know Tom Moore, the director, uh, you know uh, Ron Maxwell on Kidco, and the guy that was my dad, his name was Charlie Hallahan. Name you would not know, but he's the guy in the movie The Thing with Kurt Russell. He's the one whose head comes off the table and grows the leg and runs away.
0: Yeah. Oh wow.
1: That was my dad. It was like I worked with great people. They showed me a tremendous amount of kindness and respect because I was a professional. I brought it every day. I showed up to work prepared and took care of what needed to be taken care of. I was extremely lucky and blessed, and I knock on wood and say thank you for the life that was there and the life that gave me and the friendships that I've made because of those things. You know, there is not, there is not a person under 35, maybe 30, who doesn't know who Richard Fryer is, and people come right. up to me all the time, and I don't care who it is. There are people in show business. Who have come up to me and say, "You got to tell me about him." Oh my God, I love this guy. Blah blah blah. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, and there's just comedians that are still out there that are, you know, 40ish and they didn't get to meet him or work with him, and they're like, "You got to tell me about him." Oh my God, oh my God, the influence he had on so many, and you know, being friends with him again. I mean, I went to his home when he was sick. And I saw him three and a half months the last time before he passed away. I would have seen him more, but I was on the road doing my own stuff. Um, right. I was friends with him all the way. He was the best teacher anybody could have ever had and just an incredible human being.
0: You know? I think that's great. What
1: else do you want to know, so... What else do you want to know? We're on a roll.
0: <laughs> well, where, where can everyone find you and, and follow you these days online? You know?
1: You know what? I'm going to be 52 years old, man. I am very old school. I still have an AOL email address. I do have <laughs> a Facebook page. I, I do have a Facebook page. I started it strictly for friends and family. And then a few people from shows hit me up to become friends. And then a few more people hit me up. And the next thing I know, I got 3,200 friends. You know, So I am on Facebook. You know, that's really all I do. I do have an Instagram account, but I really don't use it very often. Uh, you know, if I need to when the book is coming out, then I'll start using it most likely because they'll want me to do more social media.
0: I, I believe I have a Twitter
1: account, but, it, but if you ask me my password and put a gun to my head to get it, I wouldn't know it.
0: <laughs> well, let me ask you this really quick. Does the book have a title already, or is it still a working title?
1: Uh, the title of the book should be… Uh whatever happens to me. Okay. So it's kind of, you know, I was here and now I'm here and whatever happened. You know, how did how did this go on? That's 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 just what it is, you know. It's uh <clears throat> it's an up and down book. You know, I mean it's autobi it it's not an autobiography, somebody ghost wrote it for me. But it's it's an all over the place book. It's the who's, the when, the what, the how comes. You know, all of it, there's stories about baseball players, basketball players, you know, Muhammad Ali and then Sugar Ray Leonard, Mike Jordan, Barry Vaughn, who I'm still very close friends with after over, you know, 32 years now, I um, mm-hmm. Mark McGuire and Greg, Greg Jeffries of the Mets and, uh, uh, oh God, um, uh Perez, uh, Tony Perez's kid, and I can't think of his first name now. I talked to him once in a bloom. Barry Larkin from the Cincinnati Reds I still am friends with after decades of knowing him. But these stories are in the book, and then there's stories about the adult cinema time and all that stuff. Um, You know, I, I say it's the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. I don't mix words. I name the names, I say it the way it is and what happened and who I like and who I don't like and the reason why. And there's not a lot of people I don't like. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly, you know, happy go lucky person and I'm a pretty friendly person. Um you know, you're not friends with people for thirty something years unless you're a fairly decent bloke as they say in Australia. Uh <laughs> then there are people I don't like and I don't care for because they're not good people. You know that's just the way that that is. My friendship with Corey Haim is in the book. I was friends with Corey almost 25 years. You know, he was a little brother to me. You know, and and since the day he passed, I've not been able to watch things he's been in. Nothing. I can't watch it. It hurts too much. You know, I saw mm. him two weeks before he passed, and then he passed, and then I was there the day after, or the day of, and the day the next day. You know. Um, I had nothing but love for that kid. Got nothing but love for his mother. Got nothing but love for his father, his sister, his family. They're good people. Corey Hain was one of the nicest kids you'd ever want to meet. Very transparent, very open. You know, uh, love the guy. You know, then, you know, there are people that I don't like that, you know, I met along the way. You know, some of which I don't have time things to go there. You can just go online and you can find it. I wanted this to be done so that people could see the good, the great, the bad, the ugly, and it's a roller coaster. And if at the end you feel sorry for me, then I did something wrong. I want people to be educated, inspired, and go, wow, this is a hell of a ride this guy was on. Because that's the way I feel. It's been a hell of a ride, and and I feel blessed, and and the friends that I've made, and the people that you know. I talk to, uh, you know, there are times when I sort of catch myself, you know, if I've spoken to somebody or whatever, and I go, oh my God, so and so just called me. Why did they call me? And, but then I'm thinking, but I've been friends with that person for 10 years or 15 years, 20 years or whatever it is. And it still hits me because then I turn on the television and one of their shows are on TV or they're playing in a game or whatever. They're in a TV commercial. And I laugh. You know, last night I was actually sitting in this exact spot where I'm, where I'm talking to you. And on my TV in my living room was the Honeymooners. And I, and I heard it, and I looked inside, huh. and there he is. There's Jackie Gleason on the television. And at first, I'm going, man, I love this show growing up. And then the second thought is, my God, he was your – I was his son. I got to play his son for four months and remain friendly with him. I saw him about a year before he passed away, and he was just wonderful and sweet to me. But there he is on television in 1957. It's like, oh, my God. So, you know, we're all a a fan of somebody, but it's like if you ever meet a celebrity, just be nice to them. Just say, hey, man, how you doing? I love your work, man. You know, but if you say, hello, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Don't be a fanatic. Don't be a lunatic. Just say, how you doing? It's a pleasure to meet you. That's a big fan. And
0: they're going to
1: say, oh, thank you. You don't have to go into every movie they ever did or every show they ever did. You know? You, you, just, you, you appreciate their work, and you're respected. One of the guys that handles this almost better than anybody that I've ever seen is, I've known Holt since September of 85. We're talking a lot of years, okay? And we've been, you know, we've gone to dinners together different times, you know, mostly back then. I see him once in the blue moon now because he lives in Florida. And, uh, but I always see him in public. And he handles it with grace and style. And just, no, this man is an icon of an era and a generation. And people go, oh, my God. He goes, yeah, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. What's your name? Oh, where are you from? Hey. You know, listen, sometimes he'll talk to somebody for 30 seconds. And sometimes he'll talk to somebody for 10 minutes. It depends on the mood he's in. Or what's going on if he's got to go somewhere or whatever. But he always makes that minute of time. Twenty years ago, I got to think, got to be close to 20 years ago. Uh, he was out here in California. And my mom was in the grocery store. And there's Hulk Hogan in the grocery store. Now, I have to I have to give you this picture, of course. Hulk Hogan is, you know, whatever he is, six, seven, six, nine, whatever. <laughs> my mom's four foot my mom's four foot ten inches tall. So my mom is a, is a short person, okay? And she went over to him and she said, Hi, how are you? And he said, Oh, uh, uh, how are you? She said, I'm good. You know my son. And he said, "I do." And she said, "My name. And he does my mama hug, and it sits on the teeth." And he's after to my mom. I mean, that's great. Class and class and style. You know, we've we've lost that. Julius Irving, Doctor J. He's got. it. Uh, you know, somebody else that I've known forever since nineteen eighty, November of nineteen eighty. I shot a chapstick commercial with him. And I can tell you, I'm still so friendly with him to this day. That guy has so much class, it it just gyrates out of him. And and fortunately enough, those are the people I've gotten to meet and become friends with. And, you know, if I was a, a a putt, if I was, you know, garbage, I would not be friends with those people. They would have thrown me away a long time ago. But that's not the case. Right. You know, right. you know, I, I, I. I know who they are. They know who I am. They're all fans of mine. They're fans of mine. I'm fans of theirs. Once you get past that, then it's the relationship that you you grow over the course of time. You know, if I know somebody's going to be someplace, I'll go see them. And I show up and they're like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? I'm, oh, you're in the area. I'm in the area. It's like, anybody say hi. And it, inevitably, it's hang out. We're going to dinner at this place. You coming with us? You know. That's,
0: that is great. Those are some this amazing is, this is stories.
1: A, this, is a, this is a fun interview because I, I enjoy talking about the stuff that goes beyond the stuff that, you know, people at Christmas Story and that's point like, you know. I mean, I hung out with WWF guys for a year and a half. I, I, I was an unofficial mm-hmm. non, non-employee. non I worked for nothing, but I showed up because I wanted to. I was never on the payroll, <laughs> but Vince, Vince and the other guys liked having me around, so I went. Um, you know, and I had fun with them with Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo and Blue Speedcake and uh, Roddy Piper, and, you know, Randy Savage and Mrs. Elizabeth. They were good friends. Um, you know, Hogan, you know, and then later Goldberg and other guys that I've met along the way. Jerry the King of is one of my good friends for years now. I have had one hell of a fun ride. You know, uh, find me on Facebook, the, the big big photo in the back is a shot of me jumping off the top rope of a wrestling ring in a match that I had <laughs> with Lawler and another guy down in Mississippi oh, wow. and you know really? I, I was 50 what years part of old Mississippi? Luna yeah Luna the casino there the name of the casino I couldn't tell you off the top of my head and I don't remember a couple of years already right? but I was a wrestling fan since I was six, seven, eight years old. And here I am. I'm fifty years old and I'm getting in a ring and I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do the mod I'm ready to go. You know, this is this is bucket list stuff. Yeah, I'm fifty years old. What the hell am I doing? I could hurt myself. No, I know better than <laughs> that. I know how to do it. I'm not gonna hurt myself. Let's go. Okay, I'm gonna do it. And I did it, you know. Uh 2014, uh, a friend of mine works in Denver at the stadium there, and he I he, Brings me to a Nuggets game and he had set it up for me to be, you know, the celebrity for the night to shoot the half court shot with the mascot. And yeah, I threw a couple of balls and we both missed whatever, but I hit a half court guy hook, at the Denver Arena. You can find it on you can find it on YouTube. If you just type in Rocky a Christmas story, it'll come up. And I hit I mean, I hit a half court shot at an NBA basketball game. How many people could say that? Exactly. You know, the ride has been amazing. Years ago. I mean, this is kind of an off story, but I mean years ago, I was a kid and I was running a spring trainer and go see my friends and whatever. I'm going from New Jersey or California, or wherever and i go to Florida, i go to Arizona, and my father said to me, Listen, you know, you just went there for three weeks and I said, Uh huh. He's like, Dude, you card, you gotta pay a bill. I said, wait a minute. I said, the 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 Pontiac Grand Dam, I, I rented was a hundred bucks a week. You know, when I'm in Florida, I stayed with Cecil Fielder, Eric Davis, you know, the, my friends down there. When I was in, in uh, Scottsdale, when I was in Arizona, I'm staying with Barry Bonds at his place for a week or two, whatever it was. I go go there and do that. And he was sort of upset at me that I had done this because there's, you know, four 500 bucks and whatever. And I'm like, but dad, I'm staying with you That, that doesn't matter, you know, this and that. Right. And then I thought about it. And I, and I said to him, I said, let me you a question. I said, if you were given the opportunity, how much money would you have paid to play with your favorite baseball player, Mickey Mantle? And my father said, well, I didn't have any money. I said, that's not what I asked you. I said, how much would you have paid? He said, every dollar in my pocket. I said, right. I said, I didn't do that. I spent 100 bucks a week for a car, and I'm staying at Barry Bonds' house, and I'm staying at Cecil Fielder's townhouse, and I'm staying with Eric Davis, and I'm staying with this man. Nothing. People pay $20,000, 30000 to play around the golf with them. I'm there for two weeks. I spent a hundred bucks on a car. Oh, wow. I'm like, really? You see where I'm going? <laughs> you see where I'm going? He's like, yeah. And he says, okay, I got to give it to you. You're right. In this case, you happen to be right. I said, thank you. Never said another word after that. You know, and I did it for years. You know, hanging out with the Mets guys and hanging out with other guys that I met and knew along the way and, you know, I've been I've been totally blessed to just have on ride. You know, I hope I'm here a whole hell of a lot longer. So does my sort of girlfriend. You know, right now, you know, but mm-hmm. everything is a new day. Tomorrow's not a given. Today we're here. Tomorrow we might not be here. Enjoy every day of this ride. That's what life is. It's a roller coaster. It's ups and it's downs. Just enjoy the ride. You know, if you got kids, enjoy your kids. You know, you got families, enjoy it. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of a lot of the people that I work with or that I've known throughout the years have passed on. They're they're gone. You know, Leeson is gone. fryer has gone. Uh, Wilfred Hyde-White, White, who was the butler in the toy, is gone. Ray Stark is gone. The producer. You know, my dad from the from Kidco, Charlie and he's gone. Um, you know, Bob Clark from Christmas Story, the director, he's gone. Mm-hmm. Shepard, the writer, he's gone. You know, so it makes you think about life and about what it is and what things to do and what things to look for. And at the end of the day, enjoy this thing. Every day, I know things can be good and things can be bad, but just enjoy it because tomorrow may not come. You know, Cory Haim wasn't 38 years old when he left us, you know, and he had a hell of a life in front of him. But that wasn't what was meant to be. That's not what the book said for him. His book ended and that was what was supposed to be, and it tears me to shreds. I love the kid, but he's gone. You know, so I say just enjoy it, man. I have fun every day. Don't care, good, bad, and different. I make jokes, and again, going back to our original thing, when can you make fun of the coronavirus? This is what I mean. I've been asked because uh-huh. people on my Facebook have actually asked me, "Oh, when is there going to be another show? When is there going to be another convention with celebrities and stuff?" How the hell am I supposed to know? I'm not a scientist. I don't think you How the hell would I know? So I said honestly, I said there is. I said I don't know when there's going to be a celebrity who shows up, but there's a convention in every home in America, in the um, in the world right now. In your house, clothing is optional. Have an eight by ten ready. Use a sharpie and uh, STFH, Stay the F home. So I made a joke <laughs> about it. Because of what people ask me, and other people that have just deranged me. What a horrible human being I am that I've made fun. i got a lot of friends that thought it was hysterical because they're in the show business, and they understand what's going on. You know, I'm sorry to any families that have been affected by this. People that have passed away. I, I'm, I'm a, a, you know, I'm, I'm a, a motion on my sleeve kind of guy. You know, when 9-11 hit, I cried for a long time. Months I cried. One of my friends who lives in Florida. His daughter was on the 106th floor. She worked for Tanner Fitzgerald. 26 years old. Gone. Life is is crazy. She went to work that day. Nobody
0: ever thinks nothing's going to happen. Just whatever goes on. You know, understand. Who the hell knows? I enjoyed the conversation of this podcast so much that I had to go a little longer to get answers to more questions, insight to more things. So be sure to check out the next part of this podcast. Just click on the link on the website at talk and continue going from there. I can guarantee you that you're going to want to hear more of what Scott Schwartz has to say. So see you on the next part of the podcast.